The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Um, I have lots of practical tips that I want to share with you today. Um, I, I love bringing props. I've learned from the best, so I have um, a prop. I have stories. I have scriptures. I have all kinds of really great stuff. But I have to say that none of that's going to work. Those are great, helpful things, but none of it's going to work unless you hear the most important thing out of the entire message. The only way that I can be grateful, the only way that I can have joy in the midst of some pretty terrible circumstances sometimes. It's not that I have joy because I really haven't gone through any bad things in life. It's not that I have joy because my life is just pretty easy. Nope, that's not it. It's because I have Jesus, because he's living inside of my heart, because I've surrendered my life to him. Back row, Cammie Drew. It's because I've surrendered my life to him. It's because I live for him, because I've surrendered everything to him. So all the other stuff, it's not this magical potion. It's not this do this, do that, have this formula, and then you will be this way. The bottom line is Jesus is living inside of me, and that's where my joy comes from. Now, there's things that can suppress that. There's things that can shadow that. There's things that can push that down. So my practical tips and, and things are to help bring that out, to not let that get smoldered or suffocated. But, but if you don't have the Lord, if you don't have Jesus inside of you, then you're just going through some motions of some positive thinking and some great actions, but it won't last. So with that being said, as long as that is the number one thing you hear today, I do have some practicals. Um, so Proverbs 17, 22, a happy heart is good medicine and a cheerful mind works healing, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. So a happy heart is like medicine. So really quick, I just want to take an honest assessment, all of us, just take an honest assessment of where you are right now. Are you struggling with difficulty? Are you overcome by depression or anxiety or um, are you disappointed? Are you feeling ungrateful? Are you starting to compare? Are you feeling um, not adequate? All of those things, um, you know, there's such an awareness over the word anxiety right now. I mean, adults have it, kids have it, heck, our dogs even have it. Like, I kid you not, I have a dog that gets anxiety. Like, everyone has it. But the Bible says in Psalms 94, 19, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. So in Psalms, this is David. David, like one of the, like King David. Like David, one of like the giants in the Bible. David. He is speaking and he's saying, when anxiety was great within me. So this big amazing guy had anxiety and it was in him. And your consolation, so he's speaking to God. So God's consolation brought him joy. So basically... You may not be able to control your current situation or your circumstances. I, I, I love the whole, the, the world does the say positive things. Look in the mirror and say positive things. And those might be helpful, 
but it doesn't matter. I, I, I like to be a realist, too, so it doesn't matter if I wake up and I say a hundred times a positive about a situation. The bottom line is the positive is still there, and it's really difficult, and it pretty much sucks, and it's very hard to, to face. So no matter how many times I speak positivity over it, it's still there. So you can't control your situation sometimes. You can't control your circumstances, but you can control your environment. You can control your words. You can control your actions. You can even control your thoughts. You can take those things, and you can control those. That's what you do have the power to do. You don't have the power to just magically make some of the situations disappear. I mean, God can heal us in an instant, but sometimes we don't have that amazing situation where all of a sudden our health is perfect and all the hurts and the pains and the problems and everything and the, the issues we're dealing with go away. They're still there. Our finances sometimes can't just magically just be perfect. And I'm telling you, even if you won the lottery and everything like your finances were perfect, give it a couple years they'd be back to not so perfect. So it doesn't just happen magically. Your relationships, your, your hurts, everything inside that you've gone through, that doesn't just magically disappear. But what you can do is you can change your actions. And I'm a huge believer in changing your actions and changing them immediately, not kind of gradually over a little, over some time, and I'm going to really work on this, and I'm going to get stronger. No, change your actions immediately. So I have some simple steps uh, to do, and there are things that I've done, and I did them until they became habits, and then they became who I was, and then it's, I do it without thinking, and it is just naturally things that are tangible and helpful. So you're going to really laugh at number one. And I don't know why, but this is number one. When you wake up in the morning, put on a pair of shoes. Put on your running shoes. Put on tennis shoes. Put on workout shoes. I'm not going to lie. That doesn't mean you have to work out. That doesn't mean you have to go for a run. But put your shoes on. Get out of your slippers. Get out of your cozy little socks. Get out of your bare feet and put your shoes on. And say, Lord, when you're doing it, I am so grateful for today. I am so grateful I woke up today. I have a new day. I have a new day to get stuff done. I have a new day to face whatever it is you want to bring to me. I am thankful and I am grateful for this day you've given me. And it literally puts your mindset like, okay, I've got a pep in my step. I literally have my shoes on. I'm going to do something. Because, I mean, we can kind of, you know, curl up in our little chair with our little cup of coffee and, you know, our warm, cozy blankets. Put your shoes on. Um, number two, okay, make your bed every morning. And I'm not talking to the kids. I'm talking to the adults. And I know that sounds crazy, but start your morning and just simple, sim something simple, even if you're in a total hurry, make your bed. I mean, and making the bed's a process for me. I have all the pillows. I mean, it's like ridiculous. Every night, the pillows have to come off. Every night, every morning, the pillows have to go back on. But make your bed. Put your pillows on it. While you're doing it, God, I am so thankful for my bed. I'm thankful for my warm, cozy blankets. I'm thankful for my room. I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful, depending on how much lack of sleep I woke up with, I'm so thankful that tonight I get to go back to bed. There's something to be thankful for while you're doing that chore. And then your, your bed's made, and your room looks totally different. Then you want to pick up your room, and you want to start doing things. So um, number three, write a to-do list the night before. This isn't just because. The Bible says, without a vision, the people perish. So if you wake up in the morning, 
Have you written it down? Have you said, these are the things I need to get? Now, there was a time in my life when my to-do list was so glorious. It was like fun things, and I would, I got to travel for work, and I would travel, and I would take trips, and I would do this, and I would do that, and I had some really fun things on that to-do list. But sometimes your to-do list, depending on what season you're in, do the laundry, clean up the kitchen, get ready for potluck tonight, clean the house. Some of the things are not so glamorous, but still put them on the list. But then save room for the other things, the things that, you know what, I really needed to frame those pictures of all the babies, and so I'm going to get that done today. Even though I've got other things on the list, I'm going to get that one done because that's going to bring me some joy. That is going to, or getting together with someone for coffee. I don't really have time to do that right now, but it's going to bring that person some joy, and it will bring me joy. And so put the fun things, put the extra things, not just the chores, but put those things on the list. And I'm not going to lie, I never have a list where I got everything done in a day. Never. I don't know that it's ever happened in my life. But then the things that don't get done, they just get moved to the next day. And when you're writing that list, it's not, oh my gosh, I got to go grocery shopping again. I swear we eat so much food. We're already out again. I got to do, no, it's like, Lord, thank you that I have so many people to take care of. Thank you that I have mouths to make dinner for. Thank you that I have clothes that need to be washed. Thank you that I have a car that needs gas. Some people don't have a car. Thank you that I got to run by the gas station. I don't have time to do that. I'm always late, but thank you that I get to put gas in the car. Thank you that I have a baby to take care of again. Thank you that I have a husband who always needs my help finding his keys because there's nothing in life that I love more than stopping everything and hunting for keys. I love it passionately. When he offers a financial reward, it is more fun. But, um, yeah, we spend a lot of our time looking for iPads and keys and work bags and, you know, that kind of stuff is very fun. But being grateful in those chores that are on the list because, you know what, you could not need a list. You could not have any chores to do. You could not have anything to take care of. But you do, and that's something to be exceptionally grateful for. Number four, okay, mamas and dads, don't turn on the TV, even as just a background noise. How many times do we turn on the TV just so we can have it in the background? Turn on a worship playlist instead. That's not just for you. That's for your kids. That's for your family. How much more joy comes from listening to a worship playset than to just a show in the background on TV? It's not that I don't watch TV. Well, I really don't, but I have. I got... I got addicted to a couple Netflix series thanks to certain people in the church who will remain nameless. Um, I would not make that joke. Okay, I'm not going to say it, but I almost did, but I didn't. See, I didn't say it. So I, um, so it's not that I don't watch TV, but that it's what are you filling your mind with? What are you filling your day with? What is your house sounding like when people come in or just when your kids are there? And so, um, uh, Anyway, how much more energy can come from that? When you've got a beautiful song on, when you've got a song that's filling you up and giving you energy, how much more is that giving you gratitude and thankfulness for where you're at in your situation than if you were just watching a show? Just little tips. Don't have to do them all. Um, number five, get off your phone. And everybody who's on it right now puts it down real quick. Um, yeah, but seriously, get off your phone. Stop the scroll, okay? Just stop. Stop looking at what everyone else is posting. Stop looking at how perfect everything is. 
And, and because, okay, when Krista and Alicia were little teeny tiny, my house was chaos. It was chaos. I didn't know how to be a mom of these two little kids, 17 months apart. And I am telling you that, okay, I'm not trying to sound old or older, but if there would have been Facebook and Instagram when Krista and Alicia were little teeny tiny, I would have just said, forget it. I give up. I can't even do it. I can absolutely, I mean, we're talking, and I like to be clean. I like to be organized. Chaos, just chaos everywhere, chaos everywhere. And if there was just this, I'm sitting here scrolling through and look at people's perfect little photos with the light coming in just the right way and the perfect little fonts and the look at my perfect little child and look at this cute little bookshelf I just, you know, built and painted and decorated and, you know, look at the whole thing. I would have been like, what am I doing? And I'd be comparing myself to all their picture-perfect moments when I'm looking at my entire house and being like, I'm a total failure. I can't do anything right. But in reality, like I had a lady invite, a friend invite me over and I was a little nervous. She's kind of successful and she's always positive and her posts are beautiful and like I said, just the right light and just the right, you know, everything. And I'm just like, man, I can't even take pictures as good as hers, let alone everything she's taking pictures of. And I go to her house, we have a cup of coffee and her house is messy. Like she's got a busy, active family with a bunch of kids and it's missed. I'm like, wait a minute, where's the, and so then you'll see, like, here's the little, you know, picture with the plant, and the, I'm like, oh, it's right there. Like, in the whole house, all your, and you think that that's her life. You think that that's, like, everything about her, but in reality, we're, we're, she's showing, she's touring that we're stepping over a pile of laundry in the middle of the hallway, and I'm like, where's that on Instagram? But, you know, because, you're sitting there looking at what everyone else is posting that's perfect, and you're comparing it to everything you're lacking. Is that going to give you a grateful heart? Is that going to bring you joy? It's going to do the exact opposite. So stop the scroll. Number six, start talking to God about what you're thankful for. Start speaking it. Start verbalizing it. And I'm not going to lie. There are some people in here that might be going through crazy. I know you're going through crazy. And you might be saying, there is literally nothing. Like in this area and this area, and, and you could tell me for an hour all the different ways of all the things that are crazy, and there's not really a way to be thankful. I'm telling you, give it five minutes, check world news, scroll on news for just five minutes around the world, see what's going on, and I guarantee you 100% you are going to have a whole day's worth of things to be telling the Lord you're thankful for and you're grateful for. Give it five minutes on, on the news. Okay? You have a lot to be grateful for. So what feelings are you feeding? Because what you feed grows. I know this because we've moved to Texas and the food here is delicious and what you eat grows. And so what you are feeding grows. And, and, my, and you know what we, Kira is growing and she's growing out of her clothes. And so whatever you're going to feed, that is going to grow. So are you feeling sad? Are you feeling kind of depressed? So then are you going to sit down, have some kind of sadder music playing have a sadder show playing, and then the worst yet, are you going to follow down a trail of a sad story on, on social media, and then that one's going to lead to the next one you click, and now listen, 
an hour later you're crying and, and it's all this sad and you're feeding those feelings. Is that healthy? Is that going to get you out of the situation that you're in, the circumstance you're in? Is that going to create gratefulness? Um, stop feeding those feelings when you feel them. Because we all feel them. We all wake up and once in a while we have a bad day or something terrible happens. So it's not that you can't be sad. It's not that you can't feel so burdened for somebody. Somebody may not even be you that went through it, but somebody else did. And now it is literally you. I mean, do you know how many? I cry for my friends. I cry for my friends. So there are times when it is so sad, but then don't feed it. Pray through it. Deal with it, face it, help through it, but don't feed it. So here's one. We're going to have fun with this one. Are you ready? I don't know. When you're in a sad or stressed or worried or anxious state, do you grab a glass of wine or some beer? Now, I'm not saying drinking is right or wrong for you. That's not what we're talking about. But I'm saying when you're in this mental headspace, don't believe the lie. Please don't believe the lie that it's going to make you feel better because it won't. It doesn't make it go away. The reality is, the fact is, it will probably usually leave you feeling way worse. If not that night, definitely the next morning. So whether, you know, we're not going to go, is that right or wrong for you? That is you. But please don't buy into the lie that everything's so much better. I can just self-medicate. I can just, I have, you know, this was the worst day. I'm just going to have a go. That is not helpful. That is feeding those feelings, and it is not going to help you feel better. Maybe for the moment, but it's not going to last. Number seven, search God's word. Look for what he wants to tell you. So back in the days of lots and lots of little kids, it was so hard to get my devotions in. I was so busy with all these little kids. I was so distracted. I mean, they follow you into the bathroom. So how are you supposed to, like, sit and, like, read your Bible and, and just, you know, be studious? So I asked this very wise lady. I mean, I, I was so distraught. And I said, how much do you read your Bible each day? Because I wanted a cut and dry answer. If she could be as awesome as she was, she could preach, she could teach, she was amazing. She also had an accent. I think that really helps when people are listening to you. If you can sound super cool, they're going to pay attention a lot more. But she was super amazing. And so I want to be like her. So how much do you read your Bible? And I was going to pin her down. And she said, I, in her accent, which I cannot duplicate, so I won't do it, I read until I'm full. And I was like, hmm, what? She reads until she's full, until God speaks something to her, until something out of those scriptures comes into her heart, and she says, that's my verse, or that's what God wants to tell me for today. That could take one scripture, that could take one chapter, or that could take an hour. But she reads until, she's like, when you eat, you eat until you're full. I'm like, I eat past when I'm full, but we won't talk about that. So when you are, are reading your word, Read until God gives you something. What it does is it makes you open your eyes. You're searching. I need to get something from you today, God. I need you to show up today. I need a word from you. And so you're not just reading, then there was Noah, and then there's the animals, and then there's this. 
you're reading like you're looking for something because you can't stop until you find something that feeds you. Suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, I got so much to do. Oh my gosh, I'm, okay, I'm reading, I'm reading. I'm not gonna look at my Facebook. I'm not gonna get on my phone. I'm reading until God speaks to me. So hurry up. And then all of a sudden your eyes are open. But if you're just reading, cause check on my to-do list, check, I was supposed to read today check it's done that's great it's still getting in you but it's not feeding you it's not changing you so in one of the moments one of the 18,000 moments that we were having about 13 years ago of our self-employed financial struggle seasons <laughs> I looked for a really fun happy grateful way to word it so in other words um, when we were dirt poor and I was like dying like God I don't know what we're gonna do I need you to show up. I need a verse to hang my hat on. I need something that says, you see me, we're going to be okay, and I can hang on this when all the circumstances look terrible. And he gave me Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. And God gave me, I mean, it stuck out like a beam of light. And I was like, I've read my, I had read my Bible through, front to back, all, lots of times. I'd never seen it like I'd seen it that day. I'd seen it before, but never like that. And that became pretty much our life, my life verse. I mean, Andy came home, and I was like, look, look, it's going to be okay. So I asked God to show up and give me a word of his wisdom. And he did. But then I had to make the decision, was I either going to believe what he promises me or not? See, James 1, through, James 1, 6 says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. And not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like waves of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Okay, I get seasick. So I knew I didn't want to be tossed around. So I had no choice but to believe and to stand on his promises for me. Doubting just wasn't an option. If you ask God to give you something and he does, you don't second guess it. You don't go back and doubt it. But God, how? But God, when? But God, why? Tell me all these things. I need to know the full plan before I can be happy, grateful, and trust you. That's not how it works. Without doubt. So start talking to God. Maybe you're in this place because he has something else for you. If everything was already going great, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have the time to hear or to see the next thing. So a life example of this, a huge life example. So in Bend, we moved there to help a church plant. And in Bend, it's kind of like a, it's a tourist town. It's gorgeous. It's paradise if you like snow and ice for half of the year. It is beautiful. And everybody that moves there moves there to enjoy the outdoors. So there's not a lot of jobs. Um, people don't want to be tied down to jobs. So it's very entrepreneurial. The it was like voted for many years the number one entrepreneurial city in America. So you learn really quickly, I got to come up with a business if I am going to make it here. And so we opened up a uh, used consignment store. And it did really well. It was really fun. It was, it was so fun to see the treasures that would come through, the not-so-treasures. 
um, because we didn't know anything, one of the funny stories is um, we had a vase, a flower vase, the ticket said, for sale for like 10 bucks. And was it Kyle? Was it Kyle? Who pointed out to Somebody walks up. They're like, why do you have a bong for sale in your store? And we're like, what? <laughs> we don't know anything. It was a flower. It was a vase. It was a glass vase. Anyway, so there were some interesting things that we would um, have for sale in our store. But anyway, it was doing amazing, but it wasn't enough to meet our needs. And it wasn't enough to do the huge blessing, favor things that God had spoken over our lives. So we knew there had to be more. And it was a December. I think it was a dis- one year after we'd had it open. And we're literally, after hours, we'd have lots of our date nights there, because that's all we could afford was going to the store and hanging out on some furniture and having our date nights and just talking. And So I've got everything laid out. I got the bills. I got the sales. I got everything out. And I'm like, fix it. Because, you know, like, that's the, that's the job that he gets to carry. And I'm like, it's impossible. We're going to die. We're going to starve to death. I can't, even afford, I can't even get food stamps because we're self-employed, and so they hate people that are self-employed. So we're doomed. We're going to die of starvation. Like, fix it. And we didn't have an answer that night, but we started praying about it, and he started praying, and he calls me, and he's like, I got it. I'm like, what? What's the magic thing? He's like, I think we're supposed to sell new furniture. Well, how do we do that? He's like, I don't know, but you need to figure it out. I'm like, well, I think that people go to something called market. I mean, this is literally the phone conversation. I think they go to something called market, and they order the furniture, and then it shows up, and then they sell it. It's like, okay, research it, figure it out, but we're supposed to sell new furniture. Okay, so research. I hate if anybody, if you know me at all, you know I loathe research. Like, I would rather clean your entire house from top to bottom than sit on a computer and look stuff up for you. Like, I I don't appreciate research. I am not grateful for research. But I I did due diligence, and I realized that there is market. It's basically twice a year, but the biggest time is in January. Now, remember, it was December. It's in January in a couple weeks. So I'm like, I think we have to go to market, which is in Vegas, in January, like in a couple weeks. He's like, okay, buy the airline ticket. I'm like, but I don't have the money to buy the airline ticket, and I don't know what to do once I get there. He's like, well, you will figure it out, but go. And I'm like, okay. So I took a friend, two friends, friend, I don't know, took a couple people, and we went down to Vegas, and we went to market. And we, God literally directed me to each showroom, and, and we made our first purchases. And I will never forget the first time a semi pulled into our store parking lot to deliver, and it just dropped stuff in your parking lot. And you're like, well, now what do I do? Like, anyway. I will never forget that first semi, and that is what started us selling new furniture and it growing over the years to what it became. But it was because everything was doomed. There was no way to survive. Everything was horrible and terrible, and you fix it. And then that's when God said, oh, you guys are ready to listen to my next idea I have for you. See, if we would have been thriving, making just enough, doing just good enough, we would have not been in that place to be like, what are we supposed to do? What, I know this isn't all that you have for me. What's the next step? So that's our story. But then um, Friday, I got to go to a vintage market. A lot of us ladies, we went and did a little field trip. And we went to a vintage market. And in the market, one of the first things when you got there, there were, somebody's booth was a bunch of beautiful painted canvases. And a lot of them were churches. And I've made the decision, like a week ago, that being a pastor's wife, I'm going to collect churches now. Not a bunch of trinkets, but like 
beautiful like art or something um, got the idea somewhere. and you know everybody does like walls of crosses in Texas which is wonderful but I'm not really a wall of crosses kind of person but I I'm like that's kind of cool churches so there were these beautiful canvases of churches and they caught my attention but not even enough to go over and even dream of like what the price was and then we're going along to the other booths and having fun and I I come across And it's a church. Does anybody notice anything different about this? What's it painted on? From there it looks like glass, but it's actually a window screen. And it caught my attention enough to go over and start a conversation and ask this brilliant lady why she's painting on window screens. So... She, oh, her story, we instantly had a connection. She is the fifth child of four siblings that are the natural children, and she's the adopted fifth child. I'm like, well, look at this right here. And so I told her all about Kira, and that was a pretty awesome connection. But then I told her why, just because I'm having fun and talking, I told her why I wanted to start collecting churches. I've just decided. I don't have one yet, but I'm going to start collecting churches. And I love this church. And I said, I've never seen anyone paint on window screen. She says, well, since you're a pastor's wife, I can tell you this story. I'm like, as if it is a secret and you shouldn't tell people if I wasn't a pastor's wife, but whatever. And so she's like, back in the day, I couldn't afford canvases. They were so expensive. And I was like, Lord, you've given me this gift. You've given me this ability, but I can't afford the canvas to even make a painting. Why would you do this? Why, why, why? And she went to God, why? She didn't have an answer. She was broke. She couldn't paint. She couldn't do anything that she was passionate about. But she started going to uh, Habitat for Humanity. And she started buying rolls and rolls of window screens for $2. And all of a sudden, she's talking to God, and she's trying to find the joy in her situation. And all of a sudden, he tells her to paint on the screens what? Nobody does that. So she looked online. She tried to find some techniques and some, you know, process. And so she tried, and it wouldn't work, and it wouldn't. Lord, you gave me this idea, but it still won't work. I still can't paint. I still can't sell it. I still can't provide. Why would you do this? And so he gives her the idea to make her own paint and stuff, because you can't just take normal paint and paint on a screen. And so she gets, like, God downloads this stuff to make, this paste or this paint or whatever, and the technique to do it. It's now licensed. A company took it on. They licensed it. It is, like, all her. And she goes around for a lot of money selling. They were huge ones. Trust me. They were beautiful, huge ones. I got the little one. But she goes around painting on window screens because... She couldn't afford canvas. So in that moment when she couldn't afford the canvas, if she would have been ungrateful, complaining, whining, and giving up, and, and doing all these things, and uh, letting herself go to that place, she would have never realized that God had something so much more unique, so much better for her than painting on canvas, which is what every single other person does. And so... Um, we hugged, and it was awesome, and I got, I, it has to go under the tree. My mom bought it for me as my prop, but then it has to go under, it's one of my Christmas presents, so it'll get wrapped up, and so when you come over and you don't see it quite yet hanging up somewhere, it's because it's under the tree till Christmas, 
But anyway, um, I feel bad for Andy because when I preach, um, like on Mother's Day, um, it's about eight minutes long. And then um, today, when God gives me more, it's, it's a half hour. So he's supposed to speak after me, but I didn't leave him a lot of time. But I'm going to let him come up now and wrap up. All right. Good. Let's, um, all right, let's stand up. The Bible says in Psalms 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, or in another translation says, For my innermost being, all that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Okay? That's what we're trying to get ourselves to understand. Okay? Forget not all of his benefits. That's a great story. She would have missed the ability to paint and this thing God wanted to download to her if she was looking down instead of looking up. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Not fix our eyes on our problems, not fix our eyes on our issues, not fix our eyes on our discouragements. Jesus even told his disciples, lift up your eyes. The fields are white with harvest. It's all about lift up your eyes, lift up your eyes, lift up your eyes and look at the goodness of God and what God's doing and what God wants to do. Don't look at your problem. <clears throat> Don't look at your circumstance. Don't look at your issue because they'll always be there. When that one's solved, there'll be another. Lift up your eyes to Jesus. Fix them on him. That's an effort. That's a choice. Fix it. Choose. Nobody said it's easy. Fix it. Choose to put your eyes on him and to begin to live with radical gratitude. Radical meaning it comes from inside. It's at the core. It's who we are. It's not just something we say. Because, well, pastor said to say thank you. So I'm saying thank you all month long. But I think I'm done on November 29th, 30th. And I don't have to do it anymore. No, it's at the core. We're developing this core sense of gratitude. Let's sing this song together. And as we sing it, let's just focus on Jesus. Let's focus on the goodness of God. Not because of our circumstance, oftentimes even in spite of our circumstance, that he's good, that he loves us, that whatever we're going through is temporary, but his love for us is permanent. His care for us is permanent. It never ends. It always lasts. It'll always be there. Even after we die, we go to heaven and we're with him. It doesn't go away. Amen? Let's sing this song together. And then just as you get filled up from this song, you're just welcome to leave. I'm not going to dismiss again. So you're welcome to pray, sing, and then just walk right out when you're done. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.